excited to share in this second week. Last week, we, we were in Acts 1-8 most of the time, uh, looking at uh, what uh, our, our Savior has called us to, uh, that He didn't just leave it to us to go alone, uh, but He gave us power to take care of this incredible mission that He's called us to, to go to Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. And I want to share with you um, a, a quote that I shared last week to start off today. It was by Mark Middleberg in his book, um, uh, Becoming a Contagious Church. And I love this, the, how he captures what the church should look like and be like and, and even feel like. He says, by its very nature and purpose, the church ought to be a contagious place that is spreading the Christian faith to more and more outsiders. And then I love what he says, this, the second part. In fact, there ought to be an epidemic of people putting their trust in Jesus. There ought to be an epidemic as people are looking at the local church, not only this one, but all of the local churches in this country and around the world, of people living on mission, and because of that, lives being transformed. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. We've, we've shared that for weeks. Uh, we, we couldn't cheer it, on, cheer it on enough on Easter Sunday. Uh, that His plan to get this message to the world is you and me. That He's making His appeal to the world through you and I. Incredible thought. But He wants to bring hope. And not just hope as we navigate through this, through this life, uh, but hope for eternity. Hope for something greater. He is in the business of transforming lives. Of making someone from old to new, someone that was once blind to now they can see. He, he brings things back from death to life, that is the Savior that, that we serve. And we love, uh, even today, we love transformation. Uh, we love to talk about transformation in, in so many different things. Uh, some of you log, how many of you log hours in front of HGTV to watch transformation take place there? We love those shows on there, right? To see a house go from this dump to, to what it is now. Uh, you see it on commercials, uh, whether it be with with. with fitness equipment or nutrition products or, or makeup or magazines, you name it, of if you do this, you can be transformed and look like this. And we go buy all that stuff only to sell it at a uh, yard sale about two or three weeks later, right? But we love transformation. And our God is in the business of transformation. He wants nothing more than for everybody, think about this, He wants nothing more than for everybody in this community to be in a personal relationship with Him. And He's given us the incredible call to take this incredible good news to the world. Last week we shared a new vision statement uh, that we are so excited about that will be our guide as a church as we, as we move forward. It's a vision statement that's been met about for probably 16 months. I don't know how many meetings, I don't know how many prayers have gone up. I don't know how many times we've rearranged and tweaked to make the words fit exactly with what we want to do. But it tells the story with the end in mind of what we want to see take place in this community, in this world that we, that we live in, and it'll be up on the screen. That we're pursuing the transformation of communities by ensuring that every man, woman, and child has frequent opportunities to see, to hear, and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we want to give all kinds of opportunities for people to see and hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How will they see it? Well, by this church, by this body of believers living it out in this community. 
that we want to see communities transform, not just Centerville, not just greater Dayton, not just Ohio, or not just the entire world. We want to see your home transform, your family, your loved ones that don't yet know Jesus that you're praying for. We want to see your street transformed, your, your housing development transformed. We want to see the office that you get in the car and yawn and drink coffee as you head into every day transformed, right? We want to see your hospital transformed, your school, wherever you find yourself doing life, where a group of people gather together is a prime opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform a life. And as we head out tomorrow or this afternoon to all of those places that you go to every day, are people seeing, are people hearing, and are people given the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? That is what we are about. In Montgomery County, there's around 400,000 people that this, they don't go to church anywhere. And we live on the corner of Warren and Greene County, if you will. And there's tens of thousands more. And that is who we are we're chasing after. Because we want to see every man, woman, and child come to a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. We shared a scripture last week in Matthew uh, 16 verse 18 uh, that it's only because of Christ's power it's only because of his work on the cross that we even have this great mission to carry out and Peter and Jesus were having an exchange and here's what uh, P Jesus tells Peter at the end of that exchange a powerful moment uh, in the church and a powerful moment for us and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it that the local church, which is made up of the body of believers, you and me, have been anointed with power, have been anointed with power that the gates of hell will not be able to stop. That the church is unstoppable. It can go anywhere at any time, penetrate any place, change any life, and do whatever it wants at any moment. We see that all throughout Scripture. That the gates of hell will not prevail, and it's what we are called to. We will have power that comes upon us to take care of of taking this message to the world. I want to read to you Acts 2. If you have your Bible, you can open up to it. Or on your phone, Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. I know it's on the church app as well. Uh, it says this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. They loved to be together and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Get a vision of what this Christian living looked like in this first church and, and what it could look like in 2019 as we live this life together. Verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were self-sacrificing, this community was. Uh, they, they, they were selfless. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And it says, the Lord, this is powerful, added uh, to their number daily those who were being saved. So back in Matthew, we hear P Jesus telling Peter, up on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and you're going to take territory for the kingdom of heaven. The gates of hell will not be able to stop it. And there was something unique going on in this community. That this body of believers, uh, the fellowship that they had, the oneness that they had, the unity that they had, uh, was a feeling that everyone had a sense of belonging. 
that everybody that came through their door, they didn't probably have a door, but through their doors and into this body of believers felt like and sensed that they belonged. They felt needed. Everybody, our, one of our greatest desires is to feel needed and wanted. They were needed. They, they were known, right? If anybody needed anything, they were talking and chattering and, and making it happen so no, nobody was in lack, right? Everybody was needed. Everybody was known. Everybody felt a sense of belonging. And church, here today, Centerville Community Church, Mother's Day 2019, every single one of you are needed to carry out the vision to see every man, woman, and child have frequent opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you engage in that vision, when you participate in that vision, not only are you a part of something way bigger than yourself and way bigger than just this local church, but I think a couple things happen when you say, yes, I'm in. My hands are open. God, use me however you will. Two things will happen. One, we will become better. You'll make us better. Because you're using your giftings. You're using the things that God has equipped you with to make this church come alive and, and to take territory for the kingdom of heaven. And the second thing that will happen is you will be, you'll be better. Because anytime you step out and take a risk for the gospel message, you'll be stretched. You'll be challenged. You'll be scared sometimes as you're going over to talk to somebody or you're heading out to do something and, and there's maybe anxiousness or fear that overcomes you. You will become better because you stepped into it. I shared last service some of the greatest ministry moments. If I was to write a few down uh, from the last 15, 16 years in full-time ministry, have been those ministry events I didn't want to go to. <laughs> those that I was way too busy. We had a ton going on that day or just a busy season of life. And I was like, this is the last thing I want to do and the last thing I want to go to. And God showed up in a holy, powerful way. And some of you have experienced that in this room where you've stepped out. It's like, no, I don't want to go. And then God did a work in and through, in and through you. A church where everybody's needed. A church where everybody has a sense of, of belonging. A sense where everybody feels like, man, I am, I am known with this place. Before we continue on in chapter 2, I preached too long last week and didn't get to share uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And I want to share this with you because it's too powerful. That Jesus let them know, and, and they were told in Acts 1-8, you're going to receive power, and it's going to come upon you, and you're going to go be my witnesses. And here's the game plan. Go to Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. And then in verse 14, Jesus has ascended into heaven. Uh, their, their leader, if you will, is now no longer physically there. And I can imagine there was probably a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiousness that was going on, a little bit of worry of how are little us going to carry out this great plan to the world, and they knew that they needed to get on their knees and do something. And it was the power of prayer. And it says in verse 14 that they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What did they do first? Before taking off on this journey to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts, did they just fear for their lives? Did they worry? Did they get a document out and say, well, here, here's the five steps that we're going to take to get to this? John, figure out the social media. Peter, could you get some names? We're going to figure out how we're going to get this out to the world the best way possible. None of that. The first thing they did is they went back and they got on their knees, humbly before a holy God, and they prayed. And anytime we go do something big and grand for our Savior, 
It's incredible to get into a posture on our knees of prayer to where we say, God, we cannot carry this out without you. Church, the vision we wrote down, uh, it can become just a vision that's on a sheet of paper and on a document and on the church website. But in order for us to write it on hearts and for us to carry it out, the only way it's ever going to be possible is for us to get on our knees in a posture before our holy God and say, God, there is no way we can do this on our own. We desperately, desperately need you. And that was what this early church did in Acts 1, verse 14. They prayed constantly. It says they all, what percentage of them showed up to the prayer meeting? 100%. All of them were there. It, it goes on, it says they joined together. How often? On Sunday morning during 9 and 10.30 and maybe before a meal throughout the week. No, they, they prayed constantly. They prayed without ceasing. They went before the God and said, God, we need you. And they did it constantly before a holy God. Here's what I want you to do. Some of you uh, like to keep track of your schedule on your phone. If you do, you can get your phone out. If you like to keep track, writing it down, you can do that. Or if you walk into my office, my schedule is on yellow sticky notes wrapped all the way around my computer screen because that's what I do because it helps me keep things in front of me. And I want you to write this down, that at 1.14 p.m., Every single day for the next seven days, we as a church are going to say this prayer together. And when you leave today, let me find the sheet up here somewhere, uh, you're going to be able to pick one of these up. And it's considered with Acts 1.14. It's the prayer that we've used before, uh, as that I've shared with you before. It's a prayer that I wrote before I even started this church. And we're going to say this prayer out loud together. And for the next seven days, you may be at work and 114 doesn't work, move it to 314 or 414, whatever. But what power for the whole body to constantly be praying this over our church as we unleash into this community. So we're going to say it together. It'll be up on the screen. And it has our vision statement on this side and the prayer on the other side. And you're going to participate now. So let's say this prayer together to our God. Holy Spirit, unleash your vision in innovative ways at CCC. Empower us to show the world the abundant life that is found through Christ's redemption, light, mercy, and love. Create in us clean hearts and a joyful desire to follow you. Open doors for us to love, serve people, and point people towards you. Boldly use us without limits, delays, or excuses to defend the poor and the stranger and to show compassion to a hurting world. Break through beyond our threshold of leadership. Perform signs and wonders. And open up doors to unleash your Holy Spirit in this community. So lives will be eternally transformed. Amen. Church, that's what we're called to. Acts 1.8 says, I'm going to give you a little bit of help. I'm going to empower you to do it. And then I'm going to send you out to do it. And the only reason we can go out into a, a world that seems broken and hurting and at times scary and it's risky and it's dangerous is because the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we have received that Holy Spirit and we can go out with boldness, with steadfastness to a broken world and share this good, good news. If you read through the book of Acts, many of you in here have studied the book throughout the years. Uh, one of the things that is just true for this group of people is death was still looming in the air. As they would begin to share about Jesus, preach about Jesus, proclaim Jesus, they literally feared that this could be my last, could be my last day. But we also read throughout the entire book that they did so with boldness.
and why so many of Jesus' closest followers died a martyr's death because they could not help but tell everybody about what they saw and what they heard in the risen Savior. There's actually a story in Acts 4, 18 through 20. I love the story. Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. There's quite a bit of an exchange that takes place uh, between these uh, two groups of people. And they were just tired of Peter and John, like, quit talking about Jesus. Quit preaching about Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everywhere you go, people are being changed by it. There's crazy things going on. And then it says in Acts 4, 18 through 20, it says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Enough's enough, they said. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? Pretty bold. You be the judges. And listen to the boldness in verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Church, this is what happens when our lives are truly transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't help but tell people about what Jesus is doing in our midst, about what Jesus is doing all around us about the good things that Jesus did all throughout His Word, and we bear witness to those things. Peter and John said, you can tell us to stop, but we can't stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard. A man literally went uh, from the cross to dying to a grave, and three days later he appeared and, and revealed himself to all of us. We believe, and we want to share it with everybody. There's a couple things that can happen as we uh, come to Christ and we receive this glorious gospel. Uh, one of the things that uh, some Christ followers find themselves doing is, is they isolate themselves. They look around the world and they think, man, it's awful. What's going on out there is awful. People are so rude. I can't hardly be around people. I can't stand to go into public and just be around it anymore, right? And so they find that they're just going to isolate their little Christian life to themselves and their own little family and they just kind of navigate through kind of you know, shrugging off the people as they walk by. That's not the call of God on our lives. The call of God on our lives is not to isolate, but to engage in the world. He told us to go, didn't he? That's one of the greatest commandments for us, to go. You're sent. I've got a place for you. I've got something for you to do. There's a mission that you're called to. And yes, we're supposed to not be of the world, but we're supposed to go into the world and share this incredible good news so that people can see it, Sometimes it's just by our actions, so people can hear it. A lot of times we have to speak up, and so people can respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, not only does our Savior hold us in His hand, He can be trusted in all things. Sometimes that's hard to, to grapple with because we go through some storms and tough stuff in life, don't we? But not only does He hold us in His hands, but He holds eternity. He holds all things in His grip. He can be trusted. He's in charge. He's the one that we can follow with courage. If at the beginning of your uh, chapter 2, some of your Bibles may say for the theme for this is, is the fellowship of believers. Um, that there was something undeniable about the way that Jesus was at work within this community. In Acts 2.42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It tells me that they were devoted to God's word. Uh, they used God's Word as a mirror, not only to look in the mirror and let it reveal what's going on inside of them, but to allow it to be a mirror for them to look in to see what God was saying to them. 
And God, they, they wanted to study it. They wanted to understand it. They wanted to, to, to live it out in, in, in all possible ways. They were allowing it to shape them as a community. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And the question is, is are, are you picking it up and reading it? Is the church today devoted to the Word of God? Is the church today devoted to the God-breathed, all-inspiring, most powerful? It's God's Word, His love letter to you and to me. Pick it up and read it. They were devoted to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. They loved to be together. They loved to be together in community. They loved to eat together. Uh, they loved to be together as families. Verse 44, all the believers were, uh, were together, had everything in common. There was a sense of belonging with this group of people. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. That if anybody would come along and they would see a family or someone hurting and they were in lack, they would come together and pool together and make sure that they were no longer lacking in that area. I've witnessed this church do this over and over and over, some public, some not so public, ways that this church has just said, I'm in. Somebody's hurting, somebody's in need, I'm going to help them and it's going to happen today. <clears throat> Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple, in the temple courts. They were doing life together. They were family. They were unified. And then I love the last part of, the, of verse 47. It says, and because of all this, our, our God added, picture this. I mean, literally picture today, God added to their numbers daily. People were coming to Christ daily. They weren't writing on their year-end report four, five, six first-time conversions. Daily, people were coming to Christ. People were being transformed by the gospel. They were a family. They were the people of God. It was a family in which you could go be a part of and see the hope of heaven. Uh, you see this idea of community, family, literally all the way back to, 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 the, to creation. You go back to Genesis and, and Genesis 2. Um, he, he, he looked at man, and I'm paraphrasing this big time. And he looked at man and basically said, dude, you need a lot of help. Like, I don't know how else to tell you this. You need a lot, a lot of help. And he says in uh, chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone, of which every woman in here could give testimony to that, right? It's not good when your man's out just doing his own thing. He, gets, he, gets, he wanders in the wrong places. And he says, I will make a helper suitable for him. From the very beginning, God had this mindset of belonging, of community, of, of, of fellowship with one another. And you and I were created by God to be in community with one another, not just with our spouse and our family. That's first. That's big time. But we were called to be in community with one another, with the body of Christ, as we navigate this earth, this world together, to serve one another, uh, to love one another, to, to, to bless one another. And not only do we see it all the way back at the beginning, do we see it in the first church in Acts, as Luke is talking about it, but we also see it with Paul in Romans 12, verse 5. He says, in Christ, we though many <clears throat> form one body, each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Every body, there should be no other place on the planet where people experience a sense of belonging, a sense of love, a sense of respect, a sense of goodwill, a sense of being known, a sense of being heard, than the local church. That should be the first place they go to experience all all of the above. There should be a great sense of belonging to the body of Christ. And it's a, it's a theme 
a tagline that you will see throughout this church often from here on out. The idea of you belong here. It's on the top of your white bulletin. It's been there for months. You're going to see it on walls. You're going to see it on signs. That we want everybody that walks in new or they've been here a hundred times to feel a, a, a sense of belonging. And we've had some testimonies, unsolicited testimonies, that they said, I've never felt like I belong to a church more than I do this one. A few of them that are just, that's what we want to create. That's in our DNA. That's who we want to be. There was a study, uh, CBS News put it out, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, a survey of, of more than 2,000 Americans. Uh, they conducted a Harris poll uh, on behalf of the American Osteopathic uh, Association. And here's what it showed. They, they, they pulled 2,000 Americans. Uh, it said that almost three quarters, 72% of Americans experienced loneliness, which they were shocked by. And then they, they gave even a more shocking stat from this same group of people. And for many, they said, it was not just a once-in-a-while occurrence. One-third of this group said they feel lonely at least once a week. Man, if the local church is living as the body of Christ should, the idea that we are family, the idea that we're in it together, the idea that it should be a place of belonging, then this should be the place they experience it. This was not a Christian-focused research project, but listen to one of the first steps that said, and God's probably up there with arms crossed smiling, like I've tried to tell you this for a couple thousand years. It was this. It said to reconnect with your local church, synagogue, or gathering with like-minded people. It may raise your spirits, taking a class or joining a club or other options. There's people lonely everywhere. Uh, we put on a smile. Uh, we have an idea that we're the most connected world that there ever has been because of all the ways we can connect. And yet I would probably argue, and uh, many counselors would argue as well, uh, that we live in one of the most lonely worlds that there ever was as well. It's not just those that are in isolation with nobody around them. There are people that have masses of people around them all the time that live the most lonely lives, the most lives of isolation. What if we as a church created a community where people not only felt like they could belong, but where isolation would be eradicated because we're loving people. We're serving people. On your bulletin, I wrote a little uh, paragraph in there, a couple sentences. Uh, we want to we serve the people that can't come to this church anymore because they're shut in. They physically can't make it every week. And some of you have a heart for that, to either go visit, uh, to, 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 to serve them, to stay in contact. Some of you know others that are connected with this body that we only have a few on our list right now. And you may know somebody, a loved one in this community that we could come alongside and serve and love and be a part of. My contact information on, is on there, the church offices. There are numerous ways for us to, 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 to break this up and so that people can experience a sense of community and experience a sense of belonging. Because I thought of this song this week, I'm not going to sing it, but sometimes you want to go, you remember this one? Where everybody knows your name, anybody remember that show? And they're always glad you came, you want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. People long for that. And cheers thought of it first, I guess. And you want to be where everybody knows your name. The vision that Jesus had for the local church is that everybody would have a sense of belonging. We see it in this first church. That everybody would feel like, man, I'm needed. I'm, I, I'm needed in this community. I'm known. I, I love the people of this community. And it's the vision Jesus had for the church. I want to share with you just a few ways as we wrap up today and get to hear from our missionaries, Dr. Jeff and Amy Lane, 
here at the end of service today. Um, but many of you, uh, a few of you have been to the, our new member class, and we're going to be uh, sharing a date with you very soon for another one that's going to be happening. Uh, but in our new member class, we share five ways to engage at Centerville Community Church. And these aren't just places I just show up to. They're places where you can experience community, experience fellowship, experience the body of Christ. And we think these five areas are, are, are a big, big deal. And the first one is this, is to attend weekend worship services, which this is the most frequent one that people engage in. And looks like you do it because you're here, right? And it's 1030 and, and you came to church today. But we have two great expressions of worship in which you to be a part of. And as you invite people and serve people in this community that may love one of the expressions better than the other, and you can send them to that one. The second one, we use the phrase of find your God job. Find an area to serve. That we want a group, a body of Christ that truly puts their faith into action. And we're going to talk a, little, a tad about that more in a second. To join a community group, a discipleship group that we, we would always say that it's better to get out of rows and get in circles with people so that you can, you can begin to do, do life with them and talk with them and enjoy time together, right? The community will happen there. And we have some 30-plus groups for which you to be a part of and, and join in so that you can find community in a community group. The fourth one is to partner with us as we love and serve this local community. seems like almost monthly we have a project going on or something where we're serving in this local community. And then the fifth way to engage was to engage with us in global ministry around the world. But I want to I unpack the two just for a second. Uh, the, the first one is the serving. That I think there's times when you realize it's time for me to get out of the bleachers and get on the game field. It's time for me, if, if it truly is going to take all of us, 100% participation, engaging to carry out the vision that every man, woman, and child would have frequent opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel, I need to get involved. I need to use my gifts. So here's how we, we, we say this. Sunday serving teams work together as a family to serve the body of Christ. And there are numerous people in this room that are serving on Sunday morning. Uh, so that we can create environments for hundreds of people to experience, see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why people give of their time every week, come early and get the coffee rolling and the donuts and greeters that come for every hour children's workers and youth workers and, and prayer teams and, and the choir and all the band and all the AVL and the list goes on and on and on where they literally give hours of their time weekly because they want to participate in something bigger than themselves and they want to create an environment where people can see, hear, and respond to the gospel. And it starts at the door. Are they seeing Jesus at me when I greet them at the front door? Are they hearing Jesus in the language that I'm using, I'm using with them? As you leave today, there's a sheet on the back and also in the atrium of areas to serve within this local church. I encourage you to take it with you. Uh, there may be an area on there that you're like, it's not on there, but I think this should be starting. We'd love to talk with you about it. The second one is this that I want to talk about, but before we do that, I want to share one other thing. If you're a graduate of Taylor University, and there's a few in this room, my wife and I, and I know the, 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 one of the guys up front, I guess all three of you, aren't you? And there's other, Megan Run, others in the room. Um, when you graduate from Taylor, they give you a towel. And it goes back to John 13, and it's where Jesus is washing the, washing the disciples' feet. And he says, I want you to go into the world, and I want you to love people the way, that I, the way that I have loved you. And so they tell every Taylor student, man, throw the towel over your shoulder. Get out of the bleachers. Get into the field. And start serving. Start loving people. The, the theme that's on the front of this, it says, Christ, our example of servanthood. We serve because 
He first served us. We love because He first loved us. The second one is to engage in a community group or a discipleship group. As I mentioned, we have 30 plus groups going on. We would love to have more because we, church, we have literally every week new people coming to church here and showing up and coming back. And we need more and more groups to start. So there's more and more on-ramps for those people to get into to get into a group. But life groups and discipleship groups are environments where the body of Christ meets in homes, somewhere in the community, or at the church to study the Word of God, fellowship, breaking of bread, and doing life together. And our community groups are a place for people to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's any men in here, I have a 6 a.m. group at Panera every other Tuesday. We'd love to have you talk to me. Find a group. If you want to find the groups, they're on your bulletin. On the back of your bulletin, there's a link. You can go to our website and find all of them. I want to close with this. I want to close with this. It's a professor, Dr. Gilbert uh, Bilozekian, probably messed his name up, former professor at Wheaton, um, was integral in great, some great Chicago churches that started and are still going well today. But listen to his words about the local church. Broken relationships, broken families, Broken promises, broken values, broken hearts, broken lives, and a broken down world. In the midst of this mess, allow the local church to function as the church envisioned by Jesus Christ. A thriving, radiating center of Christian love reaching out in a self-sacrificing concern toward the needs of contemporary men, women, and children. Let the church really be the church and watch it exert a supernatural power of attraction that will irresistibly draw our secular, community-starved contemporaries within its sphere of influence. Bring them to Christ in the most natural manner and integrate them into its life. Church, the best shot at evangelism is to encourage churches to become and live as authentic, biblically-defined communities so that the Lord Himself can become their master evangelists. And I love this part. God is for us. And as we seek to become a church of courageous faith that expands the borders of his kingdom, he will be with us too, helping us complete the work and produce good fruit in the form of countless lives impacted for all eternity. He didn't just say, go after it and figure it out. He said, I'm going to give you a helper called the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you to do it so that every man, woman, and child can respond to this great, great gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say a quick prayer. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the call that you put on our lives. God, I hope it that you wrestle with us about this call. I pray at times you keep us up at night about it. God, that you'd lay visions and, and innovative new things that you want us to do as a body and as individuals in this community to reach people for the gospel of Jesus. I pray that we would do it boldly. God, that we would be steadfast, that we would be anchored in you, the rock, Jesus Christ. God, we love you. And over these next few moments, we come to you and worship you in spirit and in truth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.